have my glasses on to read scripture. <clears throat> so our scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Matthew 13, verse 44, and Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1b through 2. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, I'd just like to mention a couple of things to you this morning before we begin with prayer and the sermon. Um, one is that uh, Travis and Lee Klatt had their little baby, a little baby boy, Kelvin Duke, and baby's doing great, family's doing great, and so uh, just continue to keep them in prayer as they uh, begin this life with a new little one that uh, now makes it a threesome instead of a twosome. And uh, that uh, God will be the grace there that allows that uh, grace to be in the home and that love. And, and uh, you know, special blessing and congratulations to Dave and Sherry, too, as they become involved in that uh, new family situation. Um, and then I want to mention you that you know, all are aware that Joan Reinen had uh, fallen in the elevator last week. She's doing well. Uh, she broke her nose um, and fractured the septum. Um, they're not going to do any surgery unless she would choose to do it. She had some stitches above her eye. Um, and she's doing well, but she has, as you can imagine, she has a face that is completely black and blue. And uh, so she, um, you know, is handling that well. First, she didn't know if she wanted to go out in public, but she decided she needed to go out. And she said people are responding really well to her. Um, and so, but keep Joan in, in prayer um, as she continues to uh, get better each day and, and uh, that all things will continue to, to heal quickly. And then I also want to mention that um, Abby Hendrickson is going to be going in tomorrow. Uh, she's been some, having some health issues that they're not quite sure what's going on and so she's going to go see the doctor tomorrow and obviously it's always a concern when their children are little and you know we can't really you know uh, do anything but just kind of you know wonder and so again I'm sure that uh, you just understand how uh, Kelvin and Robin are right now with their with a little girl that's uh, they're not really sure what's going on and so please pray that tomorrow when they go in to see the doctor that God's wisdom will be there and that they'll know exactly what needs to be done uh, to uh, just minister to little uh, Abby and that she'll uh, you know they'll discover what needs to be treated how they'll treat it treat it perfectly and uh, that God's grace will be always involved and most of all that God's spirit will be at work and that Abby will know that spirit, feel that power as God ministers to her. So again, uh, please keep that family in your prayer, particularly Abby. And they're here today, and Cadence is with them. They're a new baby, and so you want to get a chance, um, you know, uh, have an opportunity to, to congratulate and greet them. So let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for uh, the beautiful sun that's shining today. It is cold, Lord, but it's a day that you have made and called us to rejoice in it. And so, Lord, let us be that people of rejoice. Let us come together in this time of praise and worship, a time, Lord, when we can draw near to you and, and you speak to us in so many wondrous ways through the songs and through uh, the word and through your scriptures and through all things, Lord, we just need to be listening. And it's amazing how each and every day is a glorious day because you speak to your children and you're present with us. And Lord, when we draw near to you and surrender more and more to you, we discover what a wonderful gift that presence is. So Lord, again, you know all that's going on in our lives, you know our hopes, our fears, you know our, our joys, our doubts, and Lord, uh, again, you have a, an amazing way to minister to each and every child. For each one of us is precious to you. Each is unique, each is special, but each is your precious, precious child. So Lord, help us to trust you more fully, to surrender more completely, to allow you to work out uh, your ways and your purposes and your will in our lives. For Lord, you know and we know that in all things, uh, you work for the good of those who love you. So allow us to walk in that light. And Lord, we ask a special blessing again on all of those who are on our prayer list, Lord, that again, that in the way that only you can, that you would just smile upon them. They would feel the love of that presence. They would feel the comfort of you holding on to them, ministering to them. They would feel the strength and the power of your Holy Spirit as you fill them anew. And that, Lord, as they set their hearts upon you, give them the desires of their hearts physically, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally, Lord, as they trust you for all healing. And Lord, we ask a special blessing on uh, the Clapp family that you uh, would just be with Travis and Lee in a special way and a special blessing on little Calvin Duke. And Lord, that uh, they would just feel your presence as you surround them and rejoice with them and hold them close and are a special strength in the days ahead that, Lord, you'll be there to just be that grace for this family. And again, Lord, just uh, hold them close and just keep that little baby close to you and, and keep, uh, keep him strong and healthy and growing each and every day. Uh, to be that precious child of God that you have uh, called him to be. And Lord, we ask a special blessing on Joan Ryan, Lord, as she continues to convalesce, that you would just be a, a wonderful presence for her, and that, Lord, these prayers would go up, indeed would be a sweet fragrance to you and come down and a, just a wonderful blessing to her. And that, Lord, though she's not here today with us, she would know that you're, you're present with her and that we're lifting her up and that she is with us in that spirit. And so, Lord, just minister this precious daughter of yours and hold her close and uh, just allow your spirit to do a, an amazing quick healing and uh, allow her to be restored to doing those things she enjoys so much. And, Lord, we ask a special blessing this morning on the Labby Hendrickson, Lord. She's just a, such a precious, precious little girl, and I know how much you love her. And I know, Lord, that you smile upon her daily, daily because she is so precious to you. And I just ask, Lord, that she would just know that she's in your hands. And I just ask that, Lord, you would be, tomorrow as they go in, that you would be with those doctors and nurses and all who care for them. They would have your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, your discernment. And, Lord, they would proceed perfectly. And that before uh, Abby knows it, that she will find out that uh, how much uh, they know and how much that they're going to be able to treat her, and, and she's going to find a wonderful healing. And be just with Calvin and Robin and keep them strong and and uh, this kind of thing, and encourage them, and be there, and that they would know that, uh, Lord, you're involved, and, and that you're going to take wonderful care of this precious child, this precious little one that you have given them, and, and just uh, smile upon them, and hold them close. And again, we thank you for the new birth, and little cadence, and just, uh, again, just uh, be with this family, 
hold them close, lift them up, and uh, just allow them to feel the warmth of, of your loving arms around them. Lord, we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, I, I know that sometimes, you know, people are not singers, but I hope that as, as we were going through these different songs, you were really looking at the words, um, thinking about the words, praying about the words, singing about the words, whatever it might be. Because everything basically that I'm going to say in the sermon is, is incor incorporated in those words. Um, they're words that God speaks to you to remind you, of, as Darcy said earlier, of, of his great love for you, of his desire that you would know him more fully and perfectly, that he might indeed uh, enter your hearts in a, in a way that you would never imagine and bring you a, a, an abundant life, which is his desire, that you would discover what a God of blessing and grace he truly is. You know, in our lesson today in Matthew 13, it tells us that a man finds a treasure that is hidden in a field. And this is what Jesus says. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, what fills a man's heart is not sorrow over what he has to give up, all that he has, everything, but rejoicing in joy at what he is about to gain. You know, he knows that what he's gaining is infinitely more valuable than anything and everything that he has to give up for it. Jesus said that's what it's like to truly discover him and the kingdom of God. Now the price is surrendering everything to Jesus, even your life. But if you can perceive the value of Jesus Christ and are willing to pay that price, the joy you receive in return will far outweigh any sorrow or any loss for what you have to give up. You know, it's an amazing thing, and I think sometimes you read passages of Scripture, we just kind of gloss over some things. But Hebrews 12, 2 says something I think is really fascinating. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and as a result, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. In other words, Jesus endured that cross and all of its suffering, all of its pain, all of its humiliation, all of its shame, driven by a joy of what he was gaining. And what was he gaining? What was the joy? Doing the will of the Father. Doing the will of the Father. That was the first thing. And the second thing, saving you. Jesus Christ endured all of that. Suffering, pain, humiliation, everything that went with going to that cross. And he did it because he knew the joy 
that he was saving you. That joy was far greater. What he was gaining was far greater than all of the suffering and pain and humiliation of going to the cross, doing the will of the Father. And that will was saving you. If we choose to follow Jesus, you're going to have to do many things in your life that you're not really all that excited about doing. And one of them, says Jesus Christ, if you're going to follow me, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. But it's interesting that when Jesus said that, just a a few chapters later in the book of Matthew, he says this, Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, if you think about that, how can carrying a cross be a light burden? By knowing the one who is calling you to carry it. If you truly know Jesus Christ, he can make any sacrifice you ever have to make sweet. And he can make all the service that you ever have to enter into him into absolutely joy and delight. But love for Jesus can only be produced by truly believing in the death of Jesus Christ's love and sacrifice for you. That Jesus Christ was willing to give up everything to save you. And that brought him great joy. And be very careful that you don't confuse prognosis for what the Bible intends to be diagnosis. You see, diagnosis describes what is wrong with us. Prognosis is what needs to be done about it. Now, there are many things the Bible says will be true if our faith is genuine, if we truly believe and trust in Jesus Christ. It says we'll be more generous. We'll love as Jesus loves. It says that we will be people of forgiveness and that we'll be people who will desire to grow in righteousness. But we grow desperately wrong if we think that we, in ourselves, can somehow fix our lovelessness or apathy or our sin by simply trying harder to correct our behavior and being good people. We can't do it. It was all done for us at the cross, and we all have to go to the cross to find those very things. Thus, faith in Jesus Christ is always God's prognosis. When Jesus was asked in John 6, 28, what must I do to be doing the works of God? Jesus didn't answer, do social justice, do global missions, do advocacy on behalf of the poor. He said, this is the work of God that you believe in the one and only that God has sent into the world. Thus, this is important. Right believing always precedes right behavior. Right believing always precedes right behavior. If we really want to do the works of God, then we must first believe on Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. 
You get that backwards, and you're not doing anything that's glorifying God. You might think they're good works, but they're not the works God has intended for us to do. Right believing always precedes right behavior. Believing the gospel released an explosive power in the followers of Jesus, causing them to live with reckless and radical abandonment in their faith. They had an audacious faith. Even when they were facing death, they held on to the joy of Jesus Christ. Living a gospel-centered life is not about praying the sinner's prayer so that we're going to make sure we're going to go to heaven and then try to be a good person. Living the gospel, being a gospel-centered person, a gospel-centered church is about letting that good news of the gospel, the love and grace of Jesus Christ, so remake your mind and your heart that you see everything about yourself, everything about your life through the lens of what God has done for you of, through God's love and grace that he has willingly and wonderfully sacrificed for you. You know, we all have room to grow until our hearts will be filled with a true passion for God's glory, that we live each day because we want God glorified. That brought the joy to Jesus, doing the will of the Father. But what we need to understand, and sometimes we forget, is that by our faith in Jesus Christ, when we truly believe in Jesus and trust him for all things, our position in Christ is eternally secure. You can't fall through the fingers of God. When you're his, you're his. The gospel tells us that we no longer have to struggle over what we must do for God to be pleased with us. Jesus Christ has done it all. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life for you because you couldn't. Jesus Christ died on that cross for you because you couldn't die for your own sins. He paid the price for your sins. He lived the perfect life. And all of that has been imputed to you. We don't have to understand the mystery. We have to believe the mystery. You are perfect and holy in God's sight because of Jesus Christ. And that will never be taken away from you. Having found Jesus and overwhelmed by his grace, our hearts should grow in love for Jesus in ways that, you know, wants us to put away everything else just to know and experience that love daily in our lives through the power of Christ's spirit that he has placed within us. There should be no greater desire than to know Jesus. You know, knowing Jesus should cause us to think less and less about ourselves because we've got a greater and more captivating kingdom to live for than our own. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, in life there are first things, God, and second things, everything else. If you put the first thing first, you're going to get the second things thrown in. But if you put the second things first, you're not only going to lose the first thing, you're going to lose the second things as well. The gospel is not merely the diving board off which you jump into the pool of Christianity. The gospel is the pool itself, and you will never find the bottom. You can never experience all 
that the gospel has to have. When we have been in heaven for 10,000 years, you're still going to go deeper and deeper into the gospel, the love, and the grace of Jesus Christ. The secret is that you learn to study that gospel, that message of Christ's love and grace, like you would study a sunset that leaves you absolutely speechless. Or like a man who is so passionately in love with his wife that he studies her until he's so captivated and enthralled by her that it drives out all and every allurement toward other women. There's nothing he desires more than that love. The gospel says that God entered our world and took on our human flesh and lived life in all the ways that we have, experiencing all of life the way that we do. To demonstrate that nothing, not even death, can ever separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. My friends, human existence is not going to end with global warming. I guarantee it. Nor is it going to end with a gradual cooling of our sun. That doesn't mean we aren't to be good stewards, because we are. We should care about this planet. We are called to be stewards to take care of God's good world. But, you know, our human existence is not going to end with either. And neither will your destiny ever end in death. One day, God will balance the scales of human history, not by karma, but by grace. And in the end, no one will ever be able to accuse God of unfairness. Mark Rutland whimsically one time recalled a survey in which he said Americans were asked what words they most like to hear. Predictably, the first choice was what? I love you. The first word we all want to hear is I love you. What do you think the second one was? I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you. But the third one was more unpredictable. You know what that was? Supper's ready. Now, it dawned in Rutland that these three statements actually provide a neat summary of the gospel story. God loves you. God has forgiven you. And God has invited you to his banquet table in the kingdom. In the midst of this planet marked by brokenness and violence and natural disasters and ruptured relationships, the gospel God's unwavering and unconditional love for you is truly good news. It's like an iPod listener dancing in a subway full of gloomy commuters. A Christian should be a person who walks and listens to a different sound, a sound of joy and of laughter, because they know that that's what's on the other side of pain and death that we can experience now a joy and laughter that the world doesn't seem to hear. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture 
is Zephaniah 3.17. It says this, and think about this. It says, the Lord your God is with you. Not sometimes. Always. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he backed that guarantee by putting his very spirit within you, the spirit of Christ himself. The Lord your God is with you. And then Zephaniah said, and he is a mighty warrior who saves. A mighty warrior. The mightiest. God Almighty, the warrior, is fighting for you and he saves. He saves you. And then Zephaniah said, in his love, he takes great delight in you. Can you think about this? The creator of the universe who needs nothing delights in you. Each and every one of you, the, the creator delights in you. And then said Zephaniah, and he rejoices over you always with singing. God so loves you, so rejoices over you, so is delighted with you, that each and every day he sings over each and every one of us that we might hear his voice, know his presence, know his grace, know his love, know the security and the encouragement of being in the arms of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My friends, are you listening that you can hear God's voice? Amen.